Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So hello and welcome back to Cholton Live. We've had our three-week hiatus and we're back for the big match preview. My name is Louis Mendez. I'm looking forward to looking ahead to the visit to crew as we start our League One season. But of course, this is Cholton. There's so much more to talk about than just football. Joining me on the internet to do just that. We've got a new recording method now. Uh, and we've all signed up for your website. So hopefully everyone's going to come through clear, uh, crystal clear. Uh, first up, we've got Mr. Lewis Cat. How you doing, Lou? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. How's your three weeks or so been since last season? Uh, yeah, it's been all right. It's been quite nice to have a quick turnaround, isn't it? Because it's, you know, with all the lockdown and everything, it was good to have a distraction of football. So to have it back so quickly, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, obviously had a lot going on since then as well. Just a bit. Pitch. Yeah, <laughs> joining us as well, uh, Mr. Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, all right, mate. I'm guessing you're absolutely buzzing by the amount of Welsh people we've signed in the window, Honest, another one. Honestly, and good performances as well Ex- in the uh, international break, which was lovely. Excellent stuff. And joining us all the way from sunny Spain, Mr. Nathan Muller. Hey there, Nathan. Hola. Come, <laughs> come esta. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm good, mate. It's um, it's a bit weird because it doesn't feel like we've had like a, you know, usually you have that six-week lull and then you look forward to welling away down the blimmin' nags or whatever it is. We ain't got that this year, but... Um, Looking forward to all the signings we've made, loads of them. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, buzzing, mate. Buzzing to be back. Nice to see you boys again. But, and yeah. um, obviously a big hello to all the listeners. Yeah, excellent stuff. Well, so on tonight's show, obviously it's packed. Obviously, we're going to be looking ahead to Saturday's trip up to Crew, our first game back in League One against Crew Alexandra. We're also going to hear uh, from Stuart Price from the Railway Men Pod, who of course will give us a Crew point of view ahead of the game. Uh, we're going to hear from Jess King, uh, one of the women's team players, uh, after their opening day draw against Crystal Palace. But come on, let's get to the meat of it. Obviously, we're going to talk about the fact that still no one knows really what's going to happen in the future, but it does seem there's a potential bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Thomas Sangard, a man none of us had ever heard of about three weeks ago, now seems likely to take over the club, I think it's fair to say. Um, He's promised us milk and honey. Uh, We're expecting him at some point. So, Tom, if I had to ask you, are we getting ahead of ourselves or have we been saved? It's the closest I think we've felt like we're getting to being saved. Um, He's saying all the right things, isn't he? But we've heard that before. But there just seems... I don't know if it's desperation from our side or whether it's the way he's conducting himself, but there seems a little bit more validity in the stuff that he's saying. Um, He seems genuinely honest. He seems like he wants to be involved. Um, He's obviously come to games, which I think he's probably already been to more games than Roland ever did. Um, So, yeah, I'm clinging on to the fact that he he wants to be involved and he seems like he's got a plan. I think the the one concern is obviously the injunction and the delay, which we'll come on to talk about, and whether he's prepared to hang around. But I know Boya said he's still going to be here for another week or so. So, um, yeah, it's it's probably the best shot we've got, I would say. Lewis, I guess, you know, we, we've all... Heard a hell of a lot from from Thomas Sangard. You know, I've had the pleasure of meeting him at a, a couple of games already and, and spoken to him. Um, you know, he's been very interactive with the supporters. What are your your, your initial feelings so far? I mean, he, he's got a proven track record in in business. He's got, he owns like a medical supply company of some of some sorts over in the uh, the US. He uh, he's a rock star in his spare time as well. What are you feeling good about this one? I am, yeah, and it's very easy to get overexcited because we've been here before so many times, but I do feel a, a higher sense of optimism uh, when it comes to Thomas and the takeover that's been proposed. I think that he's shown sort of a, a, a keenness to 
to speak to people that know the club better than he will. I think he he understands that he's not he hasn't got any experience in in running a football club, so therefore is open to speaking to people that do and trying to sort of work with ways to make the club stable. He's come out and said that stability is the key, which is what all we want really. You know, none of us are expecting someone to come in and and splash absolute millions upon millions. What we want is just stability and support for Lee Boyer, who, you know, we we sing his praises every single time, as I cannot believe is still with us. And we're very, very lucky that he is. Um, and he just deserves some resources so that he can help this club succeed. You know, he, he's done and achieved so much already with one hand tied behind his back, maybe even two. So the potential this football club has as a whole with the right backing is is huge. And I, I really hope that we can get something done soon because the longer the embargo and the in, and this potential injunction go on for, the, the less we can prepare for the upcoming season. Uh, but I'm feeling a lot more hopeful um, than I was well, you know, after we'd been relegated and we didn't know where we stood. I think this is a positive step in the right direction. So I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. We've heard, Nathan, a few times in, in the last few weeks that Thomas was hopeful of getting a deal done, you know, in the next few days. I know a lot of people are sharing the room that they think it might even happen tomorrow uh, on Friday. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case, but, you know, he seems to have stuck around after a lot of setbacks that, that we that we can we can speak about that have happened over the last few weeks. Um, you know, he's shown he's had a bit of stick in power. It's just a case of you have to hope that this time is different to, to all the other times that we've had before. No, of course, I think... The thing with with Charlton is, you know, we've had setbacks before, and there's going to be more after this one. And I think it just um, it's a testament to all the fans. I know there's been uh, a lot of fans involved in terms of protesting and obviously speaking to Thomas and all that sort of jazz. But um, and it's it's how we get through it at the end. I think with with it all. And I think if you look if you look at Thomas, the difference he has. I mean, you look at Roland. Roland was Roland, and two percent was the quote. And he wasn't really interested. Catchy and Mare sort of could have gone a slightly bit better, couldn't it? But um, and then even and if you go back to Andrew Muir, he turned up with a with a scarf. But um, with it, I mean, it, it, he's showing a keenness, and like like Lewis said, and, and he, he actually he's doing the right thing, and he has a human level. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's looking positive. But I'm still one of these until it's done, because there's so many sort of hurdles to go overcome. I'll just have to, we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Well, I think it's a good idea that maybe we should hear from Thomas Sangard. Um, I, I was hoping to get him on, uh, you know, fresh sort of this this evening, but I, he's, he's, he appears to be quite busy. Uh, I did speak briefly to him earlier, but he's, he's, he's had a busy day. So um, uh, we've got a clip from our interview with him on BBC Radio London uh, during the game at Swindon uh, the other day. Uh, at this point, don't forget, there had been the setback of the temporary injunction. This now has been extended again because a court case has been set for uh, for next week. Uh, again, we'll delve a little bit more into the court proceedings that are going on. So, you know, this was during a time when setbacks had already started to occur. Uh, so we asked Thomas Sangard anyway to come and join us uh, on Radio London during the game against Swindon and give us a little bit of an update as to where we were with the pro of the takeover. Tell us where, where the situation with the, the, the takeover is at the moment. Well, the, the best way to describe it is probably that I, uh, unfortunately, I can't too, too, talk too much about it because uh, of, of what's going on right now. So I hope, obviously, hope that everything's sorted out here in, 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 in a very short, short period of time. The fact that you're here, you're watching the team in a League Cup game, you've got your Charlton Athletic scarf on and you're supporting the side from the director's box. We can read into that that, it, that the situation is positive, can we? Right, yeah. I, I see it very positive too. So uh, at, at this point, unfortunately, that's not a whole lot I can say. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. I mean, Louis Mendes is our reporter who I know you've been speaking to and he, he's been following Charlton uh, for, for, for a very long time. Um, Louis, are there any areas in particular you want you want to speak to Thomas about? He says that, you know, at the moment things are in a very tricky stage. I mean, obviously, as you say, you can't say too much at this time. On, on, on Tuesday, things were looking very positive. There was what I imagine on your side was a minor setback on, on Wednesday when uh, another potential buyer was uh, given a, a temporary injunction. Um how, how do you see that as a as a major step back? Is that just a, a slight hurdle? Is it just a, an annoyance at this time? Yeah, it's more like a, 
a minor nuisance. Um, I, I, I assume that everything can, can move forward the way uh, we intended to be and uh, it'll all be sorted out. So I'm not too worried about that. And you mentioned on, on Twitter last night that, that you'd uh, made uh, made plans to get funds into the country. To So it shows that as far as you're concerned, everything's still going ahead the way you want it that, to. That's right. I'm staying here for another four or five days uh, to make sure that we, we get everything over the finish line. Well, that's interesting because uh, originally I think you were planning on going home tomorrow. So do you think this extended deadline now, that the, the, the extra few days, you here do you think is it that, fair to say that, there's, that there's should a be enough order? that should be enough yeah and, and that's probably what you need because obviously with the the transfer window as it is and Charlton situation as yeah, it is the you, sooner the better October yeah. 5th is, is coming fast so we go so it's interesting now lads that he's sort of taken a step back in terms of what he's willing to say now you heard there at the start he said he can't say too much um he'd extended his stays extended his stay again now in the country he's going to be here at least until after next week's league cup game at west ham um tom if if we can get this deal over the line you know the the structure of the deal is going to be quite interesting as well i'm I'm aware of all these rumors that are going around you know he had to find out who he's dealing with in the first place that's what these court cases have been about between ESI 1 and ESI 2 um, now there's all sorts of rumours that he may even just be going to deal directly with Roland due to some sort of loophole, I've heard all these rumours um, I mean if that is the case and we don't know for certain uh, that would be a remarkable way for things to turn out but you know, Thomas has, has spoken of his desire to get the whole lot, the stadium, that sort of stuff um, if he could do a deal for everything that'd be perfect, if he can't, I mean the most important thing is that something is done soon so we can start to build and focus on the season ahead. Definitely. I think what maybe makes me a little bit wary is that everything that he's saying and that he wants almost seems too perfect. Because if you said to anybody, what do you want? What What's the perfect owner? You'd probably say a local businessman with the same amount of money as Thomas, who wants to own the whole thing, who wants to buy into the history, who wants to have it all under one roof and try and get us back into the Premier League. And apart from the fact that he's not local, he's pretty much ticking every one of those boxes. And we've just been through so much crap over the last few years that you want to believe him. And and I think probably I do more so than any of the other people that have come in over the past few months. But there's still that little bit of nagging doubt that at some point this could all go horribly wrong, particularly whilst the court case is still outstanding. But you're right, the the perfect way would be for him to come in, him to own the training ground, the club, the valley, everything, and take it forward. And I, I said it the other day on my Twitter, I don't want to, I'm not greedy. You know, I don't want someone who's going to have us Champions League in two years or three years. I just want someone who's going to give us a bit of stability. And you hear it in Bose today, like that. that's all he wants. He hasn't had any help at all since he took us over. And it's, just doesn't feel like he's had a chance to show what he can do. And and for that, we, you know, we're not expecting him to sign Messi, especially now he's committed to Barcelona. But being able to just sign a player would be an improvement. And at the moment, with the embargo, he can't even do that. So we're up against it as things stand for this season, and it's going to be tough. But if Sangar can get over the line, then um, I think we could have an exciting future ahead. But I'm wary that we've said this before, and that, that's the only thing that still concerns me. But... He seems far more straight-laced and honest to, than any of the others that we've heard so far, and that that's a definite positive. Yeah, we'll hear a bit from uh, Lee Bowyer's press day shortly on what could happen if Thomas comes in and, and what the danger is if he doesn't, uh, because that that's what we have to remember, Lewis. You know, the, the eagerness to get this deal over the line is important because the season starts on Saturday. You know, the transfer window closes in October. And as it stands, we're probably playing a 17-year-old at centre-back on, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And Bose has mentioned it a couple of times um, during the pre-season games that ultimately we've got players lined up to come in and strengthen and prepare for this season, but we can't sign any of them. And the longer this drags on, these players aren't going to wait around and they're going to want to secure where they're going to be playing their football for this season. So it's it's frustrating that the court case is dragging on because we all got quite excited last uh, last Tuesday when when everything seemed to be like it was going sort of full steam ahead and then 24 hours later we're all looking around at each other thinking well what does this mean now um I'm glad that the the court date was a typo when it said the 17th of October and he fell out of my chair yesterday when I saw that 
Um, but I just want to get it out of the way and just focus on, you know, building a, a competitive squad for the upcoming season and, and trying to bounce back and get back into the championship because we worked incredibly hard to get there. And it, and it feels as if we fell out of it on a whim because we had our hands tied behind our back with the January embargo when we couldn't strengthen when we were completely injury stricken. Um, and coming back from that lockdown period and, and the obstacles we, we had to overcome, it felt like we, we went out of it, you know, in quite a quite sad way, to be honest with you. And I think that the ultimate aim has to be to try and bounce straight back. But all the while we, we have the restrictions that we do, I think that the, the sort of expectation is going to be relatively low because, as you say, we're, we're looking at the moment relying on 17-year-old Charlie Barker to start at centre-back potentially Saturday. Um, and as good as he's been in these last two games, fantastic. Like I've, I've been so impressed with him. It's a hell of a lot of pressure to put on a 17-year-old kid and, and we've seen it have negative effects on academy players previous. And I'm, I'm just, I don't want to be in that position where we, we have to bloody young players so early because we can't sign anybody else. So let's have a listen then to what Lee Bayer said uh, on uh, during his press day on on the whole takeover situation. I mean, first of all, he was asked if uh, he thinks that Thomas Sangard would be the right man to come in and take over the reins at the Valley. Yes, he's a businessman, but I think that he's the way he came across as if he's more like, look, this is long term. That was that was the impression I got. Um, so yeah. I think if Thomas does happen, then I think he is the right person to take the club forward for sure. Brilliant. Cheers, Lee. Hi, Lee. Um, just, just briefly carrying on from where you left off there. Um, you know, with all the uncertainty over what could happen next, what, uh, over the club's future and the ownership, um, you know, it's out of your hands, obviously. But do you have to, yourself, Jack and Steve, have to have about, I don't know, 20 different plans <laughs> for all eventualities um, in place just in case one scenario happens rather than the other yeah because we've got we've got maybe six players lined up and four to six players four definites and two that they're okay these will be in our plans if this gets taken away this embargo and a takeover happens this is what we have to do as plan a hopefully that happens but plan B, Terry, I think you're going to struggle because you can't sign anyone. So plan B is dig deep and, and hope for the best, if you like, because if, if this doesn't happen, then the club's in trouble. We're in trouble now. So if this doesn't happen, then plan B will be... <laughs> you have to get players out before you can sign players. And we don't want to do that. And we can only sign players for a certain amount of money, but there is no money coming in. So plan B isn't good. We can't afford to go to plan B, trust me. So we, we do have plan A, plan B, plan C. Plan C is like, we've sunk. So, <laughs> we can't have that. So, we need plan A to work, trust me. Because if not, then we're, things ain't going to be pretty. I wish I'd not said now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just being honest. Like, you asked me yeah, the question, no, no, you're right. you honestly, like, yeah. we need plan A. Because plan B and plan C, this, this, they're not good. So. Well, there you go. Um, paints a pretty sober picture, really, doesn't it? You know, Nathan, if, if Thomas comes in, great but if he doesn't i mean it's quite clear that that we're going to be we're going to be deep in it i mean Bayer said in, in in his press day today that if if we don't have this takeover there is absolutely no chance of us challenging for the top 2 which as a charlton team going into into a league 1 season is what you would normally expect no of course i think um we've got to be realistic and and i think Bose is i mean he's come to a crossroads now where we're hedging everything really on on this whole um, saga with with Sandgard and ESI to be sorted, and I think every time there's a there's a uh, there's, there's a hurdle thrown in the way of you know of ESI from them and obviously their their legal team, it's it's being met with frustration, which could because everyone it's not the fact 
well, it obviously mostly is of the, of the ownership, but people know that if this doesn't happen, we're up something creek without a paddle. And I think we can't just sit here and pretend that we're not going to because top two, that's not going to happen. I, as much as we've got good players, I've, I would be surprised if we make top half. Honestly, the first 11, you've got good players in there. Don't get me wrong. But we know when Christmas comes along, which is where we usually struggle with a small squad, we're going to struggle. And but and, and that's the worry for me is not, yeah, we all want a nice owner. Of course we do. And we all want this nightmare to end. But we've got to really think about that. You know, we could drop out. We could be in danger here if we if we don't get some players in because as as Lewis and Tom were saying, you know, with with Charlie Barker, you can't sit there and rely on people because Charlie Barker's coming. He only played an under twenty three game, but then when you look at the the opposite side of the spectrum and you looked at Joe Gomez, different gravy, and you knew that, that when Esri come in and Joe come in, and to an extent Cole Jenkinson and the John Joes, you you knew they could play. But listen, hopefully. Um, Charlie proved me wrong, but it's we need players in, but that can't happen until the stuff behind the scenes is sorted, and it's worrying. So I mean, I think on the outset everyone's trying to be a bit more positive, but if it doesn't come off, I don't even want to think about it to be honest with you, without bringing the mood down. But I think I'm just realistic, and I think Bose is with that interview as well. Yeah, it was it was really hard to hear what what Lee had to say. Uh, during during his press day today, when he was talking about what doesn't you know what what goes wrong if if this doesn't happen, then we really are up slack alley. Now, it, I mean, before we go into a timeline, Tom, of what's happened since that uh, since the Leeds game, I remember our last show of last season, we were all of the opinion that we won't be enjoying Lee Bowyer's managerial tenure for much longer. You know, there was there was I, 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 when I was listening to his press his press conference at Leeds on the uh, after we'd just been relegated. In my mind, there was no way he was still going to be here. So you really have to take your hat off. You know, we saw fans went to show their appreciation when the, when the squad left for Palace at Friendly a couple of weeks ago, just to show their appreciation to to Bo and to Jacko for for sticking around. I mean, it's it's unbelievable that he's still here. I, I genuinely can't believe it either. No, that that interview to me was a goodbye. Um, with everything that's then gone on over the summer as well there's not really been any incentive for him to stay. And I think there's clearly something special here um, between him and and the club and the fans and the players. And we've seen that in the way that he carried that team through to League One and the way he almost kept us up last season against every single odd. And he still wants to be here. And I think that desire is to be applauded. And I think we're very lucky that that loyalty is reciprocated because usually the only loyalty there is primarily in football is the fans to the club. Um, you know, players come and go, managers come and go. But I think Bowyer is slightly different. And I also think Charlton is slightly different to a lot of clubs in that respect as well. But I said to you on, on Saturday when we were at Swindon, that's the first time I've obviously seen him um, face-to-face since last season. And, and he looks tired and... It's obviously been a tough summer, but he's gone away. He's tried to get whatever rest he can and he feels like he wants to give it a go again. And and much like the fans, really, I suppose he's clinging to Thomas Sangard being that saviour um, who can just give him that bit of support he needs. He, as we've heard, he has spoken to him a few times. So clearly that relationship is there and it's just a case of getting all these more shady characters just out of the picture now away from our club and letting these two get on with it because I genuinely believe that if he's allowed to and he's given the opportunity to then Boya could create something quite special here yeah and it's funny you should mention shady characters I mean Charlton has been wall-to-wall shady characters for so long now and you know two two sets of shady characters are currently going toe-to-toe in the courts Lewis and that appears to have Possibly been part of the delay, of course, in the, uh, uh, the the potential sale to Thomas Sangard. Basically, there's two lots now arguing over who gets the honour of selling the club to, to Thomas Sangard. Um, I mean, th- there's so much that's happened since that, that game at Leeds. And I was just going through, I, remember, I f- forgot about this, but the day after 
when when Chris Farnell ended up on Talksport and said that he, like all other Charlton fans, were was smart enough. I couldn't believe that he would describe himself as a as a Charlton fan. You know, with the the obvious ties with the, with the Berry situation last year as well that had everyone worried. We've seen the fans uh, taking it into their own hands, bursting into his office uh, up in Hale, bumping into Dave Jones, the former Southampton manager at the time, which certainly set alarm bells going because someone had told me about two days later that Dave Jones was coming in two days earlier sorry that Dave Jones was coming in to try and replace Steve Gallen and also Dave Jones obviously was involved at Berry last year so there was a lot of confusion and fear about what was going to happen next then you have the almost unprecedented step of the EFL actually failing some individuals uh, on their owners and directors test that included Paul Elliott the guy who you know originally we were told had bought the club now it seems hasn't bought the club although now the argument that he has even though Chris Farnell did say in court that he hadn't at one point when there was this argument between Southall uh, and uh, ESI2 over the changing of details on uh, on the company's house website I mean it's been absolute chaos uh, and which has then gone into this court case now between the two lot where Paul Elliott's trying to get the injunction to prevent the sale of the club going to uh, to Thomas Sangard. Um, that was turned down. Then he was granted an interim injunction to go to the Court of Appeal. He went to the Court of Appeal, who now say, yes, you can go on and appeal the verdict, which is where we are currently. Um, I, I always thought over the last few weeks, you know, I didn't come, I didn't come into doing Charlton Live or supporting Charlton to have to become some sort of expert on the law you know luckily we've got Lauren Kramer who can do that for us because I mean this is baffling and confusing and not the sort of thing that football supporters should be having to discuss on their podcast no it's absolutely bizarre and you know all of us trying to keep up with it and joining in on the on the zoom teams meetings to to try and listen to what's going on in the court I think it's just it's crazy. It's, it's absolutely bizarre. And ultimately, all of this on the on the front of it, there's a football club in the background that needs help, you know, seriously needs help. Because as, as Lee said in his interview today about sort of the lack of support and what would happen if it, if it does go does go wrong, you know, all of that is what's important. This this little sort of ego battle in the courts between uh, ESI 1 and 2 or Panorama and and. Lex Dominus, or whatever they call themselves, is is sort of taking away the uh, the priority of trying to get this football club competitive for the upcoming season and bouncing back. And obviously, the penalties and the sanctions that come with it if we cannot get something sorted. Ultimately, I don't know how Paul Elliott can fight his case. I'd, I'd assume if you failed the the EFL uh, director's test, it'd be pretty difficult for you to to really fight your case because I don't think anyone, I, I personally don't know of any ownership that's failed that test before that it was brought up in the court that he'd never paid the pound. Uh, the ESI takeover version one with Southall and, and Tanoon. I don't know if that was ever even approved by the EFL. We, we know that there was issues with that when it first came around. And ultimately that these little hiccups, you know, and the EFL take some of the blame. I think they have to, is is hampering not just the upcoming season but the future of our football club and something needs to be done and lessons need to be learned from this should we come out the other side to prevent this happening to other football clubs especially at the moment during the pandemic where finance of football clubs and uh, effects of not having fans in the grounds and everything are ultimately going to have a huge financial um you know huge financial burden on football clubs especially at our level and below something has to be done and support has to be there to prevent rogue owners taking over football clubs because it's becoming way too common now. We've seen it at Charlton with us time and time again. We've seen it with Orion, Coventry, Huller going through stuff, Wigan, it's Berry. it's ridiculous. You can name so many clubs, they're, they're rolling off my tongue as we speak. So something has to be done going forward to prevent this happening because we will lose great football clubs and especially in the climate as it is now, we'll lose them and there'll be no way of saving them. And we've seen that already with Berry. Now, if we've seen these, these protests down the ground, haven't we recently, I was there for mm. uh, the, the, the day that fans broke into the stadium and of course broke into to the boardroom. Uh, when, when you see, I mean, the, the open letter from Paul Elliott that, that was on the South London press website where he was, talking about how his, his plans for the club and, you know, trying to say that w what everyone else has said about him isn't true and he loves the club and all this. I mean, it's hard, it's, it's hard to imagine that someone like him 
could match the passion of the fans who broke into the boardroom. Uh, and you have to say, if he really, really cared about the football club, he'd just get out of here if he didn't just care about getting a quick buck for himself, which is what it, what it feels like from afar. Yeah, I mean, obviously I've got to be careful what I say, but um, but for me, I mean, it's, it's the whole thing is confusing, but I see the statement he pulled out, it's a load of old tosh. Um, it's just PR, posturing and all that jazz. The guy, to say that he loves the club, he has no he has no affiliation with the club. He don't support them. He's never probably seen us. He's one of the other geezer's mates. Um, you know, from what I've seen, um, it's not a fact, but from what I've seen, he's not been very successful in previous businesses. The geezer's an absolute donut. But, I mean, like you said, he, he needs to go. But the thing is, is like you say, in my opinion, he's only in it for one thing because... I still don't know this. This where is it? This five hundred grand he's put in or whatever. Is it his money? Really? Where's he got that from? I need to find that money tree. But I don't know where it's come from. But it just does, something doesn't sit right. If he's linked with Farnell, if he's his mate or whatever, I don't know. But something doesn't sit right. And it, he has. I know Thomas Sangard hasn't got an affiliation. But the thing that he has done, he's come out like a human. He's yeah. He might have done a bit of the. You know, Matt Saffle done it a bit at the early doors, but he's he's looked at the club. He's read about, you know, he's looked at the history. He's done his research. Paul Elliott is some random dude who had two laptops with a mouse, an iPad and some Windows Surface thing bowling in, in a stingy little office and goes, oh, yeah, I'm the, who is he, mate? Who are you? Like, what, There's no like background to him. And the, the deeper you dig into the background, you, you, it just makes you more suspect. Probably a nice bloke. I don't really care, but something doesn't sit right with him, and it just it, the whole thing is just crazy. But if he loves this club, as he's he's elaborately said in his statement, then yeah, I agree. He should say, you know what, I love Charlton Flick. Never seen him play, but I love him. Um, I'm going to let it go into better hands because at the beginning, if we remember right at the beginning of his statement, he said that he would look or he would be open to other investors. Well, you've got one right there, mate. The reason that you're putting a fight up is because you're making sure you get your buck. And that's the main thing for me. But, um, yeah, sorry about that. I went off on one there. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. It's the, the right platform for it. Um, yeah, the difference between, you know, Southall and Elliot and stuff coming in and saying all this stuff and Thomas Sangard doing it is, well, Sangard's been on the scene for, what, three and a half, four weeks now? In that, in the time that Southall and Elliot, people were coming in to me to tell me bad things about those people within on day one, especially for Southall. I still haven't heard anything like that from, from about Sangard as well. He's clearly got a, a track record, and like uh, Nathan said, he's come out as a human as well. It's, it's an absolute mess at Charlton Athletic. Unfortunately, that's the way it has been for a while now. Let's hope that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Let's have a quick break here on Charlton Live. When we come back, we're going to start talking about that wonderful game, football. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers with a header. And it's Charlie. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr! You absolute German beauty! Woo! Dream lads! Charlie have scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Get in! Come on! What a time to be here! Here on Wembley! Oh, my word! Oh, my word! Charlton Live. 
Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview, our first big match preview uh, of the season. Normally on day one, Tom, of course, we, we talk about our plethora of signings in and out. We've got a couple to talk about. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's well-versed, the amount of players we've lost this, uh, this summer. Uh, I think we're all going to uh, miss the likes of Big Nabby Saar, Tom Lockyer, obviously Lyle Taylor uh, has gone as well. We've lost, I think Boya said we've had 12 out and 3 in, which is not great numbers, <laughs> if we're being honest. Obviously, we know we're under this transfer embargo. Um, we're, we're unable to add players to our squad unless someone leaves now. We're at the, we're at the upper limit of the amount of players we're allowed to have now that uh, Dylan Levitt has come in from Man United on loan. But I mean, let's have a quick look at some of those players. So, Tom... Uh, three have come in. You've got Levitt, you've got Washington, uh, and you've got Gilby. There we go. <laughs> uh, so, all right, you can have your pick. Which one Which one of those would you like to talk about? Which one of those? Well, you because you, you're going first, which one of those excites you? To- I think it's probably best that I talk about Gilby because I've seen him play um, a little bit for us, obviously, at Swindon at the weekend. Um, and uh, he wasn't someone I knew too much about from MK Dons. Um, I know he'd won a couple of player of the season awards there and he came with a good reputation but actually seeing him play the other day and as I say he only got 10-15 minutes towards the end of the game but he looked really exciting because he beat at least two players every time he got the ball he was always turning and looking to drive forwards and that's something that we've, we've missed a little bit in midfield Johnny does it to a certain extent but usually gets clattered by the first player he gets past um, and, and we're going to need someone like that because we can talk about the likes of Darren Prattley and George Lapsley were going to put themselves about defensively, but somebody else who can really drive forward and assist those players up top. Because I think we're, and we were saying it in the car actually on on the way on Saturday that going forward, I reckon we look dangerous. Like people like Ozzy, Johnny, Maka, Connor, who's come in, those players are high League One, lower Championship standard players for me. Um, it's just defensively where I really worry. And I know Bo, you said that again today, purely down to numbers. So, yeah, I'm excited to see him play and to see how that midfield sets up. Because, um, again, going back to Swindon, it was a slightly different formation to what we used to see in Bowyer play last season. And I think he's obviously got to work with what he's got. And over the next month, we'll have a clear idea of what that squad is actually going to look like for the season. But, um, yeah, I was very impressed with him the other day, even just over that brief cameo. Yeah, he did look good when he came on uh, off the bench at Swindon. So, Lewis, uh, I'll let you speak about the, the striker, I guess, Connor Washington. Uh, still haven't seen him play, actually, because, of course, he's, he's come down from Hearts, who's been on international duty. Um, saw both Chooks and Macca score two excellent goals against Swindon. But, you know, we, we need some firepower up there. Obviously, we've lost Lyle Taylor. So the front line is going to be quite interesting this season. You know, there's players who you think should be able to do a job in League One. Yeah, definitely. And I think with going to Connor especially, I, I remember him playing for Peterborough um, at League One level, which sort of triggered the the move up to QPR in the Championship. And I remember being impressed with him there. I thought that he was he's a decent goal scorer. He got sort of a, a decent tally, a decent return. I think he got he 27 goals in 82 appearances for, for Peterborough, which isn't a bad return. Went to QPR and um, had a few seasons where he, he didn't quite, sort of hit the heights maybe that were expected but still scored sort of seven seven goals a season something like that and then we saw him he got a loan move didn't he to Sheffield United they ended up getting promoted to the Prem I don't really know how much he featured but I think he made about 15 appearances or something so he's obviously got the ability and and I know we tried to sign him last season so it would have been interesting to see how he'd have how he'd have done in the championship then but I think he's a great acquisition and I, I do think that at league one level especially He'll, you know, not just improve the team, but bring a good bit of competition to Maka because we saw at the end of last season the the sort of the responsibility to score the goals was kind of all on Bond's shoulders. We we didn't really expect a huge amount out of Chucks because he'd been out for so long. Then we were looking at Josh Davison for goals, and obviously he's still so young. So it'd be good to have uh, Connor come in and and push those guys. You know, push push Maka because I think he's going to be very important this season. Um, at League One level. I can't wait to see how he performs. I thought he was fantastic against Swindon. Um, and Chucks as well. Two two strikers that I think have probably got a bit of a point to prove this season at League One level. And they'll be pushed by by Connor, who I also think has, will want to come and make an impact again in the English game um, after spending a bit of time up in Scotland. Mm. And then finally then, Nathan, for you, it's Dylan Levitt, the 18-year-old mm. who's come 
from Man United. Um, you know, I, I, I'm quite excited by this one because our, our young loans from Premier League clubs, on the whole, have been pretty decent recently. And this guy's obviously made his Welsh debut recently. Um, come, comes highly rated. Uh, I guess you're hoping for big. Yeah, I mean, with obviously, um, like you say, he made his debut the other day for for Wales, and and he hasn't even made a competitive appearance yet. Um, and obviously, that's saying something. And he's he's well thought of. I think Bo's mentioned Nicky Butt, um, and obviously Ryan Giggs has said. I think it's the range of passing. Um, I haven't obviously seen him play because he's not made a competitive appearance yet. But I can the way that he's being talked about, I can imagine him being like. Um, who can I say? Maybe like when John Joe first come in, his range of passing was, you know, he was on a different level really with his range of passing. And um, will he be starting a lot? Maybe I don't know. But we said the same about Connor when he come off the bench against Blackburn. But I think he gives us another that other bit of dimension. I think Tom said it about Gilby. I think Gilby seems to me a little bit more of a physical physical presence than Cullen was. Um, and he has a good range of passing, so I think there's a good little signing. Because um, I think there was there were times last year where, even when, especially towards well after coronavirus, something I remember games at, um, I think like Swansea and stuff, we just couldn't keep the ball. So the only thing that we could do is go long, just you know clip it down the channel and see and you know and see what happens. And there wasn't no, there wasn't no connectivity between the the midfield and the attackers. But sometimes you might need someone with a bit of mouse with a bit of vision to. Instead of just clipping it aimlessly and hoping Maka gets a flick on it, someone who can keep the ball, who, can, who, who wants the ball, can get find that space and want the ball. And um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's a, I'm really excited to see him play. Excellent stuff. Right, so we've only really had a couple of uh, little flashes from Alex Gilby uh, in terms of our new signings playing so far. But this is a slightly unusual first big match preview of the season in so much as that we've already actually played twice in competitive fixtures uh, so far this campaign. Away at AFC Wimbledon, uh, who are playing at QPR at the moment, just to add to the confusion uh, in the EFL trophy. Uh, And then, of course, we went to Swindon in the League Cup. Let's have a listen back to how both of those two opening games went for the Addicts. It's Ostermatt with the shot on the left-hand side. It's a cracking goal. And the opening goal for Ostermatt on 21 minutes here. And uh, what a fine way to open the score. And there we go. Davison now gets us underway. Completely ruined. Oh, it's a complete gift. Aaron Henry's gifted the ball there. And it's Charlton going to concede Roscoe straight away. And it's a goal. Well, that didn't take long. That didn't take long at all. Disappointing stuff there. A bit of a... A gift from Aaron Henry, a wayward pass. Corner will be taken now by... That's again, he gets the ball in. It's, oh, it's on the head of Terrell Thomas, and it's a, it's a great header, and the Dons are 2-1 up. Great oh, ball in. Always a danger from that. Thomas, big in the air, big and strong in the air. Charlton didn't go with him. I think there was a lot of positives from it. Um, first 45, I thought we was in full control. I couldn't see him scoring from, from open play. And then obviously giving the goal away straight from kickoff didn't help. And then I think they just overpowered us a bit in, in the second half. Um, had a lot of youngsters out there. Parrington looks to the middle of Macaulay Bond. You'd expect the flag to go up, but it hasn't. It's bounced through to Bond. Oh, what a finish. Oh, what a finish on his left foot into the top corner. And Charlton are 1 0 up. It was a lovely ball in from Parrington over the top of the Swindon back four. As I say, I thought Bond might have been offside, but he was allowed to go through, let the ball drop over his shoulder, and with his left foot smashed it into the top right corner. And the Addicts take the lead on 35 minutes. Now Odimayo over on the Swindon right, and he tries to loft it forward, looking for Johnny Smith, who's been useful since coming on. It's a beautiful first touch from Johnny Smith. He's burst into the penalty area, he's still got it on the edge of the penalty area, and slots it in, and that's a wonderful goal from Johnny Smith, the substitute. Swindon officials, Swindon manager, it's uh, well and just uh, going mental on this one. As the ball's chipped back across, good header from Anika. Surely. with a header. Yeah, brilliant That's goal. Hunt, no, it's Barker with the header, biggest pardon. It's his first goal, the young man, for the Addicts. First senior goal, and it's put Charlton back in the lead. Steps in and uh, gives oh, the ball to Anika. So well. Superbly well to win the ball and into the goal. Oh, oh what, what a, a finish, finish that is. 
Jackson, AK, did superbly well to get past his man on the right-hand corner of the penalty area, got into some space. You thought that's an almost impossible angle. He has to square it, not a bit of it. He slammed it in, I don't know whether it was in between the legs of Kovar. He'll probably be really disappointed that he managed to get that uh, past him. But in the 89th minute, Chunksonike has put this game beyond doubt. I think it was a, a good performance from, from start to finish. I think uh, some, some good young youngsters out there as well making good performances. Um, but I think we controlled the game for, for large parts of it. Maybe first 10, 15 minutes looked a bit nervy, but from, from then onwards, I think we was, we was in control. There we go, our first two games uh, of the campaign defeat in the end at Wimbledon. At the time, no one really cared because at that time we thought we'd had a, an in, uh, a failed injunction hearing. We thought Thomas Sangarve was going to be taken over in the next couple of days after that. Obviously, there's been a few more twists and turns since then. But then we went to Swindon with a slightly stronger side and we saw a couple of cracking goals uh, from Maka uh, and from Chuxanike sandwiched. Uh, in between those was the goal for the 17-year-old Charlie Barker as well. Uh, really pleased with how he's come into the side. You know, only expected to be breaking into the under-23s this season, let alone the first team. But he's performed admirably uh, in his first two games. And I'd say he's got a very, very good chance of featuring uh, up at crew on Saturday. Now, the women's team have also had their first game of the season. So let's check in quickly with them. It was against Crystal Palace, their first championship game of the season over at the Oakwood. Ended up in a 2-2 draw. Brand new striker Jess King gave the good girls the lead uh, inside the opening five minutes Palace were level almost immediately then went 2-1 ahead before half time but it was a uh, a debut goal from Shauna Vassell in the last couple of minutes that meant it was a point apiece for the side and I spoke to Jess King after the game who signed this summer for the girls and she said she was very pleased uh, with the overall display on the season opener yeah I think I think we did well obviously um, we went up and then um, they were winning in the second half, but um, I felt like that the group felt determined to, to get a goal back, and you know we fought till the end and got and got the goal. So you know, obviously you don't want to draw, especially at home. But you know, I think the attitude to come back was spot on. You would have felt a bit hard done by if you hadn't got anything out of the game today, because it felt like a, a rather even affair. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had a few chances. I had hit the post and that, um, and we had a couple of other chances, especially in the first half, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't like drawing, but, you know, I think, like I said, the attitude is just was good. And even though they had a few spells on top, I think so did we. So, you know, it was a good battle today. I guess any striker would love to, to get their debut off with, with a goal as well. So you must have been really pleased that the chance off, uh, presented itself in the opening stages. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I'm buzzing, you know, um, especially new new team and everything, new season, just to to get um, off the mark really with, with a goal and you know an important one to date obviously to, to, to get the draw so I'm I'm happy obviously you know looking if I was critical I'd, I'd like to have scored the other two chances too but definitely happy getting one goal. Right welcome back to Charlton Live it's time now to start looking ahead to our season opener in League One with crew Alexandra now of course uh, the Alex were uh, down in League Two last season because of that their season was cut short they haven't played a game in a long 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 time six months without football for crew Alexandra uh, during which of course uh, a slightly unusual situation where they were promoted without the fans present they were promoted on a points per game basis uh, so I wanted to find out what that was like for crew and what sort of season uh, the home side on Saturday are expecting to have. So I spoke to Stuart Price from the Railway Men podcast and this is what he had to say. And first of all, I asked him what it was like celebrating promotion when you couldn't actually go to the game. It was odd. I think um, the more lockdown went on and the, the more um, it became aware that football wasn't coming back, I think most people were, okay, well, if we're not going back, at least we'll be promoted. There's no way we're not going to be promoted because we're top of the league. Even if they go on PPG, which they did, then we're going to drop down to second, but we'll still go up. But then when the actual day arrived, you've got your day of feeling great. That's it. We've been promoted. But then I think we were kind of, as a fan base, we were quite flat, as in we didn't get that opportunity to celebrate at a game. Obviously, you know, football's all about creating memories. It's all about experiences. We didn't get that, and then we didn't get the opportunity to celebrate as a club afterwards. Um, the club were really good. They put on um, an end-of-season awards that they've streamed live from Reese Heath, our training ground, uh, and they made that really um, easy for fans to access. 
But it's not the same when you're watching players socially distance whilst they are um, not able to um, to be there, basically. Mm. And of course, you've had such a, a long break now. You know, those of us who were in the championship last season were at least at least we had that those nine games to endure or enjoy, whichever way you want you want to look <laughs> at it. But it must it must be so bizarre to to have gone so long without seeing your side. So I guess whatever happens over the next few weeks, you must be glad at least that the crew are back and, and playing football. Yeah, um, that's absolutely the case. So you know, obviously. There's the feeling that, well, we'd rather be there. We'd rather be watching it. For me, myself, it's okay. I've just moved out to Dubai, so I'll be watching it all on iFollow, regardless of whether um, it will be fans in the stadium or not. But for most people, yeah, it's the, it's, the feeling is it's not quite the same um, with the fact that we can't be there. We can't watch them. We can't cheer them on. And especially this year with us going up, uh, there's lots of people in the crew fan base who haven't been to Charlton, for example. We've, we don't play you guys very often. There's lots of people that haven't been to Hull's ground. We don't play Hull very often. They're the seams that we seem to miss. If we go up, they go down and vice versa. Or we're a lot lower down the league structure. Um, so it is annoying, but we have got football back in some capacity. So what are the hopes for this season and how, how's the summer uh-huh. gone in terms of signings? Um, so if you talk to the people that come on my pod, um, we've gone from champions, back-to-back promotion with champions, uh, to finishing fifth and staying up and somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think Saturday was a reality check. We played Lincoln in the cup. We got beat 2-1 um, and there's some good clubs in League One. It won't be easy for us this season. Um what would be a good season, I think, is mid-table security. We've signed well. We've signed some good players this summer. We've got Luke Murphy, who came through our academy. We sold him to Leeds for a million pounds seven years ago. Uh, he's played at Leeds, played at Burton and Bolton, and he's just come back on a free. Um, so happy to have him back. We have lost a couple of players, though. We lost James Jones in midfield to uh, Lincoln in the summer. Uh, we've also signed a couple of strikers, Um Mika Mandron, who came through at Sunderland, a big, powerful striker. He doesn't look like he scores a lot of goals, but people were very impressed with him on Saturday in the cup game. He's holding up play. Uh, We've signed a youngster, Zanzala, from Accrington Stanley, who's looked very impressive in pre-season, but uh, had a knock that ruled him out yesterday, or Saturday, I should say. Uh, And then we signed a couple of defenders. Donovan Daniels, who has got mixed reactions from the clubs he's played at before. Again, missed the game on Saturday and Omar Beckles, who we signed on Friday afternoon, so wasn't registered. So most of these new players we haven't actually seen. But I, I know a lot of the crew fan base are very excited by who we signed. Omar Beckles, especially. He's the sort of player that we would never have attracted to crew uh, a couple of years ago. But I think what's happened is uh, players are starting to believe in the project that Dave Artel's got going. Uh, he was a player. He won promotion with us as a centre-back. He's come back as manager. Uh, and he's improved the team year on year in his time there. And what's really impressive is the young players who we were losing on free transfers that had spent all the time in the academy, they're now choosing to spend uh, a little bit longer at Crew and extending their contract to make sure that they are making some money for Crew as and when the time is right for them to move on. And with this team being a team that got promoted last year, there are quite a few at the minute who've definitely got futures higher up the league. Um for sure. Excellent stuff. So final one then, looking ahead to Saturday, what are your, what are your expectations? How do you see it going? And what, what are your fears of, of, of Charlton as well, I guess? Uh, well, we had a little chat before this and you uh, listing off the players that you were missing uh, due to international duty, I think really sort of hit home how difficult this game is going to be, how difficult the league is going to be. Uh, you know, list Johnny Williams, a Wales international who was, you know, he's one of their the people that pulls the strings for Wales when he's on his form. And for him to be playing against crew in a league game, I think that's a little bit of an eye-opener. It's the fact we are a higher level. It is a little bit more difficult now. Um, I would be happy with a draw, if I'm honest. I think Charlton are a good team. I think if the on off-field situation had not been going on last year, I don't think they would have been relegated. I think they've still got, even though you know, you've lost Lyle Taylor, you've lost a couple of good players, you've still got a very good squad for a League One level. And I do think if we lose, it won't be the end of the world because I think at the end of the season, you know, 46 games in the future, you will be there or thereabouts at the top of the league. So 
if you're asking me to make a prediction, I'll be cautious and I'll go with a 1-1 draw. There we go, Stuart, from the Railway Men podcast. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it, Tom? You know, a very much an unknown quantity uh, for, for us. We haven't played crew for a long, long time. I think it's about the year 2000 that we were last in the same division as them. But, you know, they're a side that would have come up from the league below... I guess say full of confidence after a promotion, but I don't know if he can be after six months. But they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll be looking forward to the challenge. And you know, we, we heard what, what Stuart said. There is still, even though our, we've had our problems, we do have players that will put fear into other teams, like Johnny Williams. It's going to be a, a real interesting battle on Saturday. Yeah, uh, I just can't wait for it to get started now. And obviously, again, going back to last weekend, we had that same scenario with with that. I know it was only a League Cup game, but it was the same, you know, two teams that are now going to be in the same division that were two apart. And yeah, it's difficult to really know what to expect. You know, we came down a few seasons ago, played Berry on that opening day with Roger Johnson all those years ago. Um, You know, the time when we got promoted, even last season when we went up to Blackburn in the championship and you think, well, they're an established uh, championship side I think they'd only gone up the year before hadn't they but they're a big team and we go there and we win 2-1 when there's similar uncertainty about what players we're getting in and stuff so it's one of those things that usually with Charlton particularly over the last four years there's been so much chat about what's happening off the pitch during the summer that by the time the football comes around again you're just pleased to get started but the difference this year is obviously the break hasn't been as long the off the pitch stuff has probably been its worst it's ever been and obviously the COVID situation means we're not actually going to be able to be in the ground. So it's a very weird time to be coming into a new season. But at the same time, come Saturday at three o'clock, I'll just be buzzing to see it back again and just can't wait to see the boys play, really. Yeah, and it's interesting to find out which boys will be playing for us. Ali Bayer uh, was asked for his thoughts ahead of the game. A little bit of team news uh, as well. Starts off by being asked if Johnny Williams, Connor Washington and Dylan Levitt have all returned from international duty in one piece. Yeah. Yeah, so Johnny and, and Connor came back, they're fine. Uh, and so did uh, Dylan Levitt. So he, he they all trained today. Um, Chucks is okay. Obviously, he played, what, 20 minutes on Saturday. So he's okay again. So, um, yeah, we're, we're all good apart from Piercy. Piercy is the only one, obviously, done his knee pre-season, just twisted it. But I spoke to him yesterday, not yesterday, Tuesday. And even he was saying that he's ahead of schedule. So, so yeah, we're we're okay with injuries. And with, uh, I mean, when you think about it, we you know, we've just come down. Crew just got promoted. It's almost like the uh, ideal scenario, the headline writer's scenario for uh, for the first game of the season. Uh, so they're going to be coming uh, probably to try and make a statement against uh, a former Championship club. Yeah, I said to the to the players today when we was analysing them. I said, look. It's, this game is two teams that have just come into the division. Uh, us obviously coming down, them coming up. So it's going to be tough. They have a nice side. They are they're nice, nice side to watch. They they, they move the ball well. They play play some good football. Um, so yeah, this is not going to be easy, especially them being at home first game as well. And the only good thing is there's no crowds. So <laughs> that's probably a bonus for us. That's the only bonus. But um, yeah, it's. Like I've said before, nothing changes. I said the same last season. Sometimes it can take you a few games to, to get warmed up and, and get going. I do believe if, if things go the right way for us, that we will get stronger and stronger as, as it goes on because our squad will get stronger and then they develop and then they get used to each other and we just grow and grow. That's, I honestly believe that. Um, but that doesn't take away that anything that we do from there till then. That we ain't going to be trying to, to trying to get the three points. I think we showed that on, on Saturday. We, um, I think we finished the, the stronger on, on Saturday, just gone. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're pushing it. Like, obviously, you, you've been watching us since I've been in charge, and, and we'll all, I'll always push them, you know, and, and nothing changes. There we go, uh, Lee Bayer. Good to see, hear that all the chaps have come back from the international break uh, fighting fit. 
Lewis, we like I said, we've seen we've seen that win over at Swindon. Now that's that's uh, you know progression into the next round of the League Cup, which is that draw away at West Ham. So that's a, a very just reward for what was a decent performance over at the County Ground. Obviously, this is a different kettle of fish because it is the league. Um, Bo said that Crew are a team that play nice, and we know what situation we are with our current squad. And if this current squad is the one we're stuck with throughout the entire season, then I think mid-table will very much be what we can hope for. But you know, eleven against eleven on Saturday, a team with a bit of uh, a bit of quality in it in 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 the Charlton side. We have to go into it with a little bit of confidence because we have just come off a, a good performance and a win. Yeah, definitely. And I was I was very impressed with how we played on Saturday as well. And we were missing some of those international guys then. Um, I've been impressed over the two games with people like Aaron Ostermer, who's going to get a bit more of a chance in the side at the moment, given the, given the lack of numbers. Didn't feature as much as he'd have wanted to last season, but has impressed me so far. Um, it'd be good to get Johnny back as well, because he missed quite a large fraction of last season with an injury. But the times he was in the side, he was absolutely sensational. You know, he was creating chances. The only thing he was lacking really was was a goal. Um, I think on paper, when you look at an eleven, I think as Nave said earlier on in the show, when you look at the eleven, it's it's fairly strong. Like there's some real quality in there, um, and players that will want to come back and prove a point because of injuries as well that are going to be fired up. But the big concern is that what happens when we when we may need a plan B off the bench or or to change it up, like we're, we're all right for, for you know, a few games or whatever. But once you start getting injuries and everything and you need to rotate, especially with such a congested season this year because of the, the quick turnaround and the late start, we've got to be careful because our injury record, we know season after season isn't the greatest. So when you look at that approaching a new season, that's going to be sort of hanging over us a little bit, the worry of, of maybe burning some of these players out because we do lack options to change it up. But... I do think we've, you know, like you say, 11 v 11. I think we've got every chance to to have a successful season. But the sooner we get a bit of support and the, and the mess sorted out upstairs, I think the better. And we can properly strengthen and really, you know, look to compete this season and try and bounce straight back. Yeah, and, and Nathan, we, we spoke earlier about a player that could well be involved uh, on Saturday in, in Charlie Barker. But I think it'd be interesting to have a little conversation about one who won't be involved. Now, Dylan Phillips... Uh, Lee Bayer said he's not going to be his first choice keeper this season because he's he's not signing a new contract. He's in his last year. I imagine the second a bid, you know, a decent bid comes in, the likelihood is he's going to be off. But I mean, are you surprised that Lee's made a decision not to start with Dylan? Obviously, he's been so dependable for us over the last couple of years. But in Ben Amos, you know, as we saw on Saturday with some very good saves, we've got a pretty good uh, replacement for Dylan there. Yeah. Um, uh... Yeah, I'm not surprised what Bo said. I agree with him to an extent. You know, I think Dills has got plenty of plaudits last year, and rightly so. I think without Dills last year, we would have been relegated a lot sooner, in my opinion. Um, but as much as it hurts to say it, you know, it's it, we saw something, you know, like, like it was a different scenario with Lyle. Um, but one player doesn't make a team or a club, you know, players come and go and, Dills hasn't done anything wrong, and if, who knows? He might end up signing a new contract. Who knows? But at the moment, with him not committing to the club, he wants people that want to play for the club. I'm not saying that Dills doesn't want to play for the club, because I know that's not true. But at the moment, he knows that Ben is going to be here next year, come what may, by the end of the transfer window, whenever that is now, because I forgot when it is. He knows that Amos is going to be here. So it's only fair if Dills signs a contract then it's up for grabs again. If Dills goes, we've got Amos. So, And you've got to think of it, apart from Dills, you've got to think of it from Ben's point of view as well. Imagine if Bo's played Dills and then he ends up leaving and, oh, all of a sudden now Ben's good enough, is he? Do you know? So um, I think he's probably been fair and he's been fair, he's probably said to Dills and been honest with him. And um, But I think we've just got to be realistic and I think at the end of the season when we did get relegated. I think 90% of people didn't expect Dills to be here already. I'm surprised he's still here, but um, we can always hope. Um, but who knows? Dills might might be waiting to see how this court goes. goes. I don't know, you know? So, um, but yeah, I think Bill um, Bose has done the right thing is, is instilling it because you need that because you're going to have to build, you know, if, if you think about it, if you go 
let's say you do all the prep, you do all your set pieces, you do your defensive positioning, you do your transitions to plays with, without the ball, with deals in there. And then on Friday, he moves to Bournemouth. That's all out the window. It's gone. So then Ben's going to come in. So he's going to, he had to make a call. And I, you know, I'd have to back Bose on this one, but not to say that I want deals to go. I'm hoping that something could get sorted. Excellent stuff. Right, let's uh, draw a line. I think uh, I think under this uh, this first big match preview of the season, there's so much we still haven't talked about. I'm sure we'll uh, uh, bring up some more stuff on Sunday. Any emails have come in as well. We'll have to save for Sunday because we have had an absolutely packed show, our first show back. But just quickly, I want you guys uh, to give me your prediction for Saturday and then your prediction for where we're going to finish this season. So literally like a two or three word answer. But Tom, where what are we going to do Saturday? Where are we going to finish this season? Uh, I think we're going to win on Saturday 2-0 and I think we'll finish 7th. Oh, that'd be gutting. Right, Lewis? I think we'll win 2-0 Saturday and I think we'll finish 4th. Oh, that'd be better than nothing in Nathan? 3-2 uh, Saturday uh, to us. Um, with, with Thomas first, without Thomas, 13th. There we go. Well, that's a good spread there. Well, at least everyone's predicting that we'll be off to a good start on Saturday. Right, that's the end of this week's uh, Charlton Life Big Match Preview. Obviously, uh, still in the circumstances we are with the uh, the virus and, and the various stages of lockdown. Uh, we're still not going live yet this season. We're only going out as a podcast recorded uh, remotely, as you can as you can hear there. So thank you for sticking with us, though. I uh, hope you have enjoyed our first podcast back. Don't forget, we'll be back then on Sunday, uh, sort of in the evening time uh, when we'll record and we'll get it out on Sunday evening uh, to look back at whatever happens against Swindon you can get in contact with that show definitely you can tweet us at Charlton Live or you can email studio at charltonlive.co.uk on Sunday have your say on whatever happens at crew on Saturday uh, and of course uh, if you want to talk about any ownership situation that happens between now and then if it does or if it doesn't uh, then feel free to do so as well right cheers to the guys for joining me cheers, cheers boys yeah, good to speak to you beautiful people again uh, I've been Louis Mendes thank you for listening and we'll be back here on Sunday Chant and lie. Chant and lie. <laughs>